Welcome to the Authentic Deb Podcast. I'm Debbie, and I'm your host for All Things Authentic. This podcast exists to bring people just like yourself from all over the world to share our stories, laugh at ourselves, and encourage each other along the way. Get ready to laugh, cry, and be empowered, but most of all to be you, because being you is enough. Well, thank you for joining another episode of the Authentic Deb podcast. I'm your host, Authentic Deb. And today with me, I have my good friend, Bob Jones, hailing out of Houston, Texas. For this installment of the episode, we are talking about Can You Pray the Gay Away, a special series that we are doing. So I'm just going to hand it over to Bob, let him introduce himself to you, and then we will just uh, hear his story and see what happens. Bob, thank you for coming to the show. Hey, good morning, Debbie. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, so uh, I guess you want to hear a little bit about my background and my story with all of this, I'm assuming. And um, one of the things that <clears throat> uh, I like to tell, I was, uh, I'm was i 58 years old, almost 59, mm-hmm. and I was married for 22 years. I have two grown children, and my wife passed away 10 years ago. And uh, about a year after she passed away, of course, I had to, I realized that I had to make a choice and that I, uh, you know, I was not going to remarry and I was gay. So I came out and everybody, all my family, my kids, everybody. So, and my life now is, is fantastic. It's better than I could ever hope for. And it wouldn't be this way unless I had made that decision to be who I was. Mm-hmm. But in the early years, growing up in a small town in central Texas, uh, of course, uh, back in the se- 60s and 70s, um, there was no such thing really as gay people around me. There was no internet. There was no nothing. There was no support, anything. So <clears throat> I can remember being five years old and identifying more with women than I did with men. It was, you know, I just had this, and I was perfectly content. Uh, but you said women more than men. Did you mean men more than women? No identifying with women as far as being comfortable around them. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And with me, and in other words, I didn't want to go play sports. I didn't want to go, you know. Did you I, want this bake at home thing? Yeah, I, I love <laughs> my grandmother, you know. Uh, <laughs> I love that thing too. I always wanted to iron anything she was doing. And in retrospect, um, of course, as many people have, we had a very dysfunctional family. We were very, very poor. Mm-hmm all the struggles that come with that. Um, and I had an older brother who was very rough and tough. He's a bully it, to this day, to be honest, he's still the same, the same approach. <laughs> um, but I had one grandmother that just loved me. And so when I was with her, I felt loved and it was fine to be me. I didn't, you know, things were just in balance the way they should be. And so I felt comfortable and I just loved being around her and she let me, iron or whatever you know it was great and that's where i really encountered unconditional love that's awesome not everybody has that well i went through counseling many many years later and i was telling that story and the counselor said you know uh and of course a lot of other stories that are not as nice and she said you know if you hadn't had that one grandmother she said you probably would have committed suicide you know Mm -hmm. because um children especially need to be loved unconditionally Correct. Then as you're growing up, you know, you just have to know that people really love you just for who you are. And I always felt like I didn't measure up because I just was not interested in anything the other guys Interested in anything. And I think that's an important thing because even though we've evolved, we are still evolving as a society of people. We still have all these rules and boxes and hidden quiet agendas of, especially for men, uh, you know, of how you should act, how you should be, men don't cry, men don't, you know, uh, you know, it's like you have to live up to the testosterone level you were born with. And, and it's, it's really, it's really kind of, it's insidious. And it's important that you said that you had that love as a child, because in the same way that we get 
things ingrained to us as a child, that's where we're learning, right? That's where we're formulating. That's where we're subconsciously even making decisions about how the world works and how we view ourselves. I mean, I just had this conversation with the Lord this morning about my own childhood. Um, we make all these subconscious decisions at the same point you had that love and everything pouring into you. You didn't know it was about, I don't think being gay or this or that, but you felt loved and accepted. You know, the, the tagline for the broadcast is be we're being you is enough. Mm-hmm. And, and that's enough. And so you're blessed. Like your, your therapist pointed out that you had this, Uh, On the one hand, like you said, a dysfunctional childhood and whatever was going on there. But you had this grandma that loved the soul of Bob Jones, Mm -hmm. the spirit of Bob Jones, who Bob Jones is at a at at the deepest, deepest level that had nothing to do with ironing or anything. Now, if you want to iron, Mm -hmm. you know where we live. And so you you are more than welcome. That ship has sailed since I found Oh, okay. I just wanted to put it out there. But anyways, I digress. I just wanted to to point in that it's that, especially for our listeners, that sometimes we struggle with things where it's a gay issue or whatever, that as adults, you're almost 59, I'm 57, that we can get into a thing of, oh, I should know better, or, you know, I'm 57, or I'm 35, or whatever, I should know better, but we have things that are ingrained in us that we, um, that we soaked up as a child, really subconsciously, um, and so I just want to, I just feel like led just to make a little interject that if, for those who are listening, whenever they listen to this podcast, that it's time to stop beating yourself up for not making a change as quick as you know that you should make or for uh, sometimes we say doing the same thing with a different result. Mm -hmm. And, but usually there are reasons for that. And so I don't, I don't, I mean, I just feel led to just stop for a second and just say, Hey, if you're listening to this, sometimes the way you think or or act or, or things that you can't seem to get over the hump are is because you have a particular thought pattern or a memory pattern ingrained in you and you're not wrong. You're not broken. Um, There's nothing wrong with you. It's just more an an opportunity to heal. So, you know, this is the authentic dev podcast. If you know, I'll, I'll stop in the middle, but I just, I know that that is for somebody. So I didn't mean to like totally derail you, but it just, it hit a point where I feel like the spirit just wanted to hammer on that for a minute is that, we take a lot of time beating ourselves up for what we could have, should have, would have thought we should do. But a lot of this goes all the way back to the womb. A lot of this goes all the way back to childhood as far as things that we soak up in our character DNA, for lack of a better word. So, well, I think it's very true. And, um, you know, in my case, um, I did just, as I'm starting to get older, then I realized I was the sensitive one. My brother was the tough guy, you know, and so and I can remember talking about, you know, crying or anything like that. I remember walking with my brother and some of our friends. I was early teens, I'm sure, if, if that old, I'm about that. And um, something had made me cry, and they were just teasing me, and I made up my mind. I said, I will not cry anymore. Oh. And it took decades for me to be able to cry after that. And so, you know, some uh, Christian circles would call that a word curse over yourself. Right, exactly. And yeah. uh, literally, when my mother passed away, and she passed away when I was 21, I had a very difficult time crying. Now, it was, And I realized that emotionally I had some issues, you know. And what I had done, even though I can remember the first guy that, that I was with, uh, Dreaming about, you know, when I was out of school, school was finished and all that, we were just going to move to Arkansas and, and all, of, of all places to go, right? Well, that's where our country house is, you know, so you can oh, move oh, to... Oh, I didn't realize it was Arkansas. We're Texarkana, so we're five oh. minutes over the border. So feel free to move to Arkansas. <laughs> so <laughs> I was perfectly content with that, you know. And looking back, if I had met the right person... I would have just stayed with them for it. it. You know, I would have been perfectly condemned. But society says, no, you cannot be this way. Right. And so when I moved to Houston uh, in the early 1980s, first time I'd ever went to a gay bar or anything, first time I'd ever been around really gay people, it was like going into a paradise almost. I felt at home and I felt comfortable. And I, uh-huh. could, 
I understood people and they understood me, you know, even with all the, the weird stuff that goes on. And right. Weird, you still you have a sense of, of place. There. Family. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. You don't feel out of place. Right. I have the same, out. same experience yeah. in a so different way. After a few years, uh, I believe, you know, the Lord was really wanting to have a relationship with me. If I can get spiritual about this a little bit. I want to, yeah. Had a moment back in the mid-1980s where I had an encounter with the Lord in my bedroom. And uh, it was my salvation moment. And uh, it was uh, it was dramatic. It was supernatural. Uh, and it changed me overnight. Now, it didn't make me straight overnight. Right. I knew that God loved me. It was long story about all of that, but even the people I worked with, they thought, they were like, man, what has happened? <laughs> so let me ask you a question. So prior to that, were you, let's, let's uh, unpack that for a second. So uh, prior to that, so in the, in the eighties, you were what uh, a young man, you're only a couple of years older than me. So uh, you're in your twenties, huh? Early twenties, early twenties. Early twenties. That's what, yeah, I was thinking, okay, I graduated 81. So I was doing the math, but um so did you have a relationship with God before that, or did you feel well, like you couldn't be loved, or what kind of where were you? Like most people, my dad was is a Baptist to this day, and so I grew up knowing about Jesus. Now, my dad went to church, but the rest of us hardly ever went. Okay. And so <clears throat> I thought, because I knew who Jesus was, that's all you needed to do. And uh, I remember reading my Bible, even as a young person, reading about where Jesus healed people. And, all, and I was like, man, why isn't that happening now? <laughs> Still ask that question. Yeah. What I'm reading about is not what I'm seeing. And so I thought I was. You know, if you would have asked me, are you a Christian? I said, oh, yeah, sure. But I really had never had an, an intimate moment with right. where it was really like, oh, my gosh. Where a personal moment. <laughs> so, yeah, I had a personal moment that really changed my life. So. I uh, started going to a church, which was uh, a fundamental uh, church, and uh, uh, I had been living with uh, a lesbian and a, a very good friend of mine uh, who was gay and his cousin, who was the lesbian's lover. Anyway, so we I was ready to read. <laughs> Okay, well, that's part of the course. <laughs> in the early 80s. I don't know if you remember, but the rent, the rental properties in Houston were at like 99% capacity. And oh, wow. Very, very expensive. Home mortgages were 10 and 13, 16% back then for a lot of people. It was really nuts here. And so, you know, I was making probably $600 a month and the cheapest apartment I could find was over half of my paycheck. So you had to, yeah. you just couldn't make it. So anyway... Uh, and my the lesbian that uh, that was the lead of this thing, her sister from New York came down, and that that woman eventually became my wife. So, yeah. So that's a long story. And so, um, anyway, society and family, and this is what happens to a lot of people. They're like the only way is this way. You've got to. You've got to let God make you straight. And if you're not straight, you're not praying hard enough. You're not trying hard enough. You're not blah, blah, blah. Right. And I went to, there was a group called Homosexuals Anonymous. You know, I never heard about that till my last podcast with Doug. He said he was a leader of Homosexual Anonymous. I told Susan last night, I go, did you know there was a Homosexual Anonymous? And she said no. And I don't know why I thought it was funny, but. It didn't last long because you can imagine. It was became the biggest pickup joint. Well, because of the <laughs> you get around and some of these people are really It's, it's not funny, but it looking and back, it's exactly what was going on. Yeah, I, but I saw, I you know, I saw, man, this is crazy. This, I, I, you can see what was going on in this thing. So anyway, um, I did that. I went to there was a, a book that came out called. Uh, Pigs in the parlor. Yeah, yeah, I read that. Now, was this prior to meeting your wife? Uh, no, no, no. I met her, and we kind of dated off and on uh, for a couple of years. And I was just like, I don't think I can do that. We dated for five years. Right. Now, let me ask because I know you loved your wife very much. Um, during this time, were you dating her to be straight, or were you just because I think love is love? I don't like the terms bisexual or this or that, or because yeah. it's what I'm hearing is you were going to 
um, HA, <laughs> you're going to homosexual anonymous, you're doing things to be straight and off and on, you're dating uh, this this woman who later became your wife. So did it start out as just... Well, like, um, I, yeah. I, mean, I can explain it, the way it happened to me, and you heard the story about my grandmother. Until mm -hmm. I met my wife, my future wife, I'd never met anybody that loved me so unconditionally. Okay. And she had that in droves. Uh, you could get around her. <clears throat> the only other person I've ever met that had that same, I call it an anointing that she did, was, was her aunt in New York. I met her one time. And you could feel around, there was so much love that radiated out of isn't her. Isn't that amazing when you can feel the love radiating off of yeah. somebody? And I had never had it. She gave me, as a matter of fact, she gave me my first birthday party when I turned 25. I never had oh, it. wow. So she was your safe harbor. So she was, she loved me. And I was like, man, this yeah. is Right. And uh, man, it took me five years because I knew I was gay. And she, she knew. Was, yeah. Oh, she so the hope was, you know, that somehow, like a lot of guys do, that become pastors and all kinds of things, they're gay and they try to repress it. And you do the best you can and you try to compartmentalize that and you try to be this over here. But the problem is, you're trying to be something that you're really not. And this part that you've got in a box doesn't change. I, I love my wife dearly. I know you did. Yeah. But the intimacy part and that desire part just never developed. I've heard that from a couple men. So it's like yeah. you had a had a true love. Yes. Um and do love her. You know, you'll never stop loving her. I know we've talked and that's mm -hmm. evident. But the intimacy part I've heard from several people did. Um, did you have to, and this is personal, you don't have to answer, but uh, I think it's a valid question for a lot of men, especially because I think there's, well, there's pressure on women to marry, but especially for men, um, you know, did you have to uh, fantasize or drum it up? Was there any, was there any attraction beyond the, the heart String attraction, the love? Um, it, it's, as you can imagine, it is one of the hardest things. Well, as a matter of fact, it is the hardest thing you have to deal with uh, because you're never sexually satis satisfied. And we know that the sex drive is stronger than the drive to eat. You know, I mean, it's so powerful. And so if you never are satisfied with that, um, and of course, your wife suffers too because you know she deserves more than you're able to give. I did the best that I could, and we made it work. But uh, it was never, you know, it was never something that was uh, was in the zone for me. I'll just put it that way. How did that make you? How did that make you feel? I didn't think we'd go off on this tangent, well, but how did that? I'm not talking about how it made you feel as far as sexually frustrated or anything like that. But how did that, as as somebody who was deeply in love with his wife, how did that, because I, I know some men marry and they, they kind of love them, but I know from talking with you, you were really loved your wife. It wasn't a yeah. show wife or a get married because you had to. Yeah, right. no, no, um, no. How did it, how did that affect you, I guess, mentally? I, I, um, the, the worst part about it was I felt like she deserved more. Mm -hmm. You know, but she was such a great person and she understood. And I used to tell her, I said, you know, I love you as much as I know how. I yeah. mean, kind of the thing. It's like, I, and she understood that. Uh, and we made it the best we could. We were great friends. We did everything together. We had the same interest. Uh, I mean, we just were so solid as far as the relationship part goes. And once again, you start compartmentalizing that aspect of your life. And like, okay, I'm doing the best I can over here, so let's put this over here and let me live my life. But, you know, uh, and, of course, we were involved in ministry for years and years and years. We helped multiple churches get started. And right. Pastors and people and went through all kinds of, <laughs> all kinds of challenges. She was your partner, you know. She was great. And she left a mark on anybody that met her. She was just one of those people. And I would be married to this day if she had lived. I would have never had the courage to leave and do anything else. I would have just stayed there. Mm -hmm. So uh, dur during this time when we're married, and of course I mentioned pigs in the parlor, you know, I flew up to uh, North Texas to be prayed for by some of the people that wrote that book, you know, 
And, uh, you know, you have this part of you that's so strong and you're trying so desperately to, to get rid of it and to deal with it. You just grab at any kind of straw, you know, you're like a drowning person grabbing at a sword, you know, it's like, and people, well-intentioned religious-minded people, because they are word of faith or Bible believers, well, the, the Bible says this, so you've got to become this because the Bible says this over here, but, and also we'll just pray this or read this scripture or whatever, but listen, none of them that try to tell you these things have ever had to deal with what you're dealing with. Right. So right off the bat, they really don't know what they're talking about. And of course you can go through the Bible and find all kinds of scriptures that they're not fulfilling that are very important, but those are all overlooked. It's like somehow the gay thing is the big thing of the world. And if, you know, anyway, we can get off on a whole tangent about that, but I tried everything, Debbie. I mean, uh, you may have heard me tell this story once. A very famous um, minister, world famous, uh, super famous now, uh, came to our church, and I'm sitting there with, uh, I think we were engaged at the time. I don't think we were married. And uh, he points over to my section. There was several thousand people there. And he says, God tells me there's a spirit of homosexuality over here in this section. Oh, Lord. And I thought, hmm. So I stood up, and I mean, everybody knew me. You know, and this minister looked at my passion and, and I told my, you know, I was always up front. I'm like, hey, here's the situation. Right, because you're one, like, if there's something on me, get it off me. Yeah, yeah you're trying. Yeah. So, so he says, well, come on up. You know, so I go up there and he prays and I fall out in the spirit and everything. And everybody's, yeah, oh, he's <laughs> healed, he's healed. And, I, and then I go back and sit down. And then this minister walks about five rows behind me and gets this guy and goes, you're the one the Lord was showing me. So I like, <laughs> Out of yourself. But you know, in the Christian world, depending, um, that could be at the time, there's going to be a lot of people behind you because you're like acknowledging, you know, and willing to get rid of it in, oh, yeah. in this and that. Christians will rally behind you. Oh, yeah. I'm going to denounce them. Oh, yeah. But the minute you say, look, this isn't working. Then you're just not then you're not praying enough or you're not you're not doing enough. And I think that that's um, oh, it's just so sad. Now, um, you've been saying something about, you know, you do it this way. It's even the same for straight people that walk into a church. Hey, we're going to accept you. You can come off the street. You can be into whatever. But at some point we need you to conform. And the reason that like this podcast came about, not this podcast, but this series, like we were talking before the show, is because the podcast that I have in my episode list called Spiritual Homosexuality. And it's me and my friend Derek, who is a straight Christian man, and me as a lesbian Christian talking just about the church as a whole. Um, it wasn't a conversation about homosexuality, but we were talking about those boxes. And, and it's almost like you've heard the term a lost leader. You know what a lost leader is, right? Or an end cap. You go into the store at Costco, there's an end cap, pillows on sale, and then that gets you to come in. It's like the, the, the <clears throat> when I say the church, I'm not picking on any one denomination. It's really society, but let's just use the church. They have end caps. Hey, come as you are. All accepted. Uh, whatever, and then you walk down the aisle, and there's all this other bill of goods. It 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 becomes less about Jesus and more about what people think Jesus is saying, you know. And and I never see in the scriptures where Jesus has uh, a one thought or belief plastic wrapped, other than the way that I'm the way that that I love you, that I died for you, that I'm you know, and that I live within you, and um. There's, there's, there's love and access to God through me, but everything else is like shrink wrapped in the church. And so that's how we came up with the name of that podcast, spiritual homosexuality. And it's kind of the same thing. Do it, do it this way. And you're fully accepted in the fold. But if not, you're always on the outskirts. So for you, it's like, oh, here's Bob. He's, there's this outside thing. Cause that's how they look at it. Like, there's this outside demon, this pig in the parlor that's trying to affect Bob. So we're going to stand behind Bob. But the minute you say, you know what, this is just part of, this is how God made me. Now you're, you're demonized or you're not praying hard enough or whatever. 
Right. Well, you know, the confusing thing in a way to me was I would have moments of clarity. I'd have moments where I would feel the spirit of the Lord come on me. And it would be times where I was not behaving my, at my best. And I, was like, God, why, I'm sorry. Why are you here? I would literally say, God, why are you here? And that used to confound me. And uh, then, of course, there's a scripture that says the spirit of the Lord will come and convict you. And right. People stop there and say convict you of sin, but really he will convict you of righteousness. And the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Right. So, but he comes to tell you that everything is okay. It's okay, even though you don't think you're being okay. Because society says, you know, these things to you, and you're you're trying to be led by that instead of led by the Spirit. Well, that's, you just hit such a big point. We could do a whole podcast on that. Being led by the Spirit versus being led by what society or the church thinks that it that it is and at some point we all have to make that decision and i think it really part of my hope for the series is regardless of where people are that they get comfortable with themselves that there's an accepting of themselves because i always say it this way i know that i can't screw it up i don't live in fear of of the lord turning his back on me Right. No, I don't either. I, I don't I don't do crappy things on purpose, but right. I just have a, a conversation with God. Like even this morning before the podcast with you, I was sitting there like, Lord, you know, I'm just I literally said, I'm just coming to check in. I said, you know, I, I don't know what season I'm in. I know I know that you're the only name I go to, but I just kind of feel eh. And I was just really open with God. You know, I'm not going to tell you that I read three chapters of the Bible and prayed in tongues for an hour because that wasn't my reality this morning. But but because I know I'm loved, I can just go, I literally just said, yeah, it'd be like me calling you. Hey, Bob, just calling to check in. We haven't talked in a while. I mean, that was really kind of the conversation I had, but it's taken a lot of healing to get to be able to well, say that. You know, Debbie, the, the God is presented in such a schizophrenic way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you're told, oh, God loves you unconditionally. Come on in here. But then it's like, man, if you do this or that, man, you're in danger of going to hell. You're losing right. it. But wait a minute. Now, I didn't earn this to begin with, so how am I losing it based on my performance? And they can't really explain that. Right, no. And, uh, <clears throat> that's the big challenge with Christianity is that, you know, the Scripture says that, you're sealed, your spirit man is sealed until the day of redemption. Our That's right. perfectly fine. Right. Everybody gets confused with the mind, will, and emotions in the body. Right. So, so <clears throat> that's where the big problem comes through. I have no no issues with being my relationship with the Lord and all of that is intact. I know where I'm going when I die. That's not an issue for me at all. The uh, the challenge for people is uh, they are so pressured when you are gay, that uh, you just have to pretend that you're not in order to be accepted right. in the church world. And that's why we see leaders, some of great renown, that get caught. Exactly. So uh, when yeah. you were married, let me back up for a second. You're right. They get caught because you can only re because you're really people make gayness about sex, but it's not about sex. You, uh, you know, it's, it's, ultimately it's not i mean obviously that's that's a natural outcome of of eros love right but did you have a moment when you had that watershed moment you were talking about where you really um in your early 20s with the lord was there was there any time in your relationship with your wife where you just really knew that god loved you regardless or because what I'm hearing is you're when you're with your wife, the struggle was more that you couldn't give her what what yeah. she should need and vice versa. Here's here's the answer to that. You can only receive what your mind will let you receive from the Lord. That's good. And if you have a blocker that says, I can't be that way, then the Lord can't tell you that you're okay because you, you're not able to receive it. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Say that again for our listeners, because I think that needs to be. If you, God is very much, you can receive anything from the Lord. But if you have a mental block that says I, that's not right and that's wrong, 
how can he get you to receive it? You've already determined, you've made the decision, I can't accept that. So you have to be open and accepting to gain anything. You have to first believe that God is before you can ever get to know him. Yeah. You have to decide, I think God is. You have mm-hmm. to be open. And people close their minds off and say, I have to operate under here. And even though it's not working, you're in a mess or whatever, but this is how I got to be because this is what I've been told and I've come to believe this. So I've set my own parameters here. And yeah. until that paradigm shifts, as they say, and you open up, then it will all start to make sense. In my case, after years of being in ministry, God doing amazing things, and I knew there was <clears throat> some gifting there for teaching and different things. Uh, the doors, I mean, the doors in the straight world to minister almost never came open for me. And no matter how many pastors we have, no matter anything. The first time I was even allowed to speak, God, <laughs> God I was sitting in a church one night, and God dropped a uh, message in my heart, showed me where I was going to be giving it, who was going to be in the service, and what was going to happen in the service. It was like watching mm-hmm. a video in my spirit. Yeah. And I thought, hmm. And I was dealing with a pastor who was extremely protective of his pulpit. The only people he let up there are the people that gave the most money. Jeez. <laughs> so, that's the truth. That's just yeah. True. Let's just keep it, it real. I was sitting in his church not long after that because I had such a burden to speak. And I said, Lord, I'm going to have to go somewhere else and do this message if this man doesn't let me. And the guy finished his message on a Wednesday night, walked up to me, and he said, Bob, he said, the Lord told me that you've got a message for the church up in New Waverly and that you need to speak it on this Sunday. I said, yes, I do. <laughs> so God makes a way is what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, that was at a time, once again, where I'm still gay. I'm in a church. I'm supposed to be this over here, but yet God is using me. And it was an incredible service. I mean, not mm-hmm. because I did it, but because the Lord told me if I got myself out of the way, he would do the service. Yeah. That's what I, it was so cool. I was like, man, this is the greatest thing in the world. So I was like, man, I love this. And so I wanted to do that all the time. I mean, who wouldn't? It was such a euphoric feeling. And you feel like mm-hmm. you're blessing people and all of that. It was just awesome. So I struggled for decades trying to build something. But at the same time, I was always afraid, you know, if I build something and they find out, okay, then the whole thing is going to collapse. I felt that way too. Yeah, yeah, a lot. So after my wife died, I spent a year, over a year, I just, I didn't go to church. I didn't do anything. Of course, I had to leave my church. I out. had all these pastors and ministers. <laughs> yeah. We heard her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my, you know, everybody's. Let's pray the gay away. Yeah. Oh, I'm just like, you know, sorry. I've been there, done that. I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Anyway, um, <clears throat> lo and behold, I was really missing fellowship. And I went online, went onto YouTube. And I did a search for gay churches, not believing even then that you could really go to church. And be, and uh, I found this church and they had wonderful music playing. And I thought, man, this is great. So I went over and visited and liked it and got connected. And then the next thing I know, I'm actually ministering in that church. And then the next thing I know, I'm going to South African ministering and doing conferences and having the greatest encounters of the Spirit of God I've ever had in my life. And going to uh, enormous gay churches in other states and ministering. And I thought, man, this is really, really amazing. And I knew then, I said, you know, people, if the people that are so anti-gay would ever come to one of these services and see how the power of God moves amongst the people here, that would change their attitude about it. Mm -hmm. We don't have all the answers, you know. I think all of us would say, if we could choose, it would be much easier just to be straight and you don't have to deal with any of this. Nobody chooses to be gay. When I hear that, I'm like, oh, my God, you have no idea what you're talking about. And so for us, I think uh, in, a, in a way, it's a blessing because we are forced to dig into ourselves and to our relationship with God. We can't just roll along and be like everybody else who right. moves on through we have to really take serious stock of our lives and, you know, strip ourselves bare and all that. And so, <clears throat> you know, I'm at a point where uh, I'm very comfortable with, with who I am. I'm very uh, at home in the gay community. and But I still have those shreds of, like, letting go of the old framework of my mind. Yeah. You know? And uh, But 
whenever I'm around other gay people, I'm perfectly at home. I can relate to them. There's yeah. just a piece about it. And, you know, uh, so many uh, gay people really love God. They grew up like I did. They, they right. God or they were in church. Uh, you and I have a, a, a friend that was very big in the Pentecostal world and, mm-hmm. you know, is just tormented by those beliefs yeah. and um, family members that just won't let go no matter what. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> it's like what we're dealing with now with this, this virus thing and social distancing. You have some of these pastors that are absolutely adamant about holding their services. I have a word for that, but I, 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 I'm not going to say I never swear, but I'm going to refrain for today. <laughs> uh, well, you know, then if you think about it, <clears throat> like they were interviewing these people coming out of this church. Well, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of- so am I, but I'm not an idiot. We're, you know, <laughs> Jesus didn't go and have all the lepers come out of the leper colony and go out amongst the people. He didn't do that. Right. He didn't do anything like that. And uh, these people that are saying, I'm covered under the mode of Jesus. Well, okay. If you're talking about sickness, then are you sick with colds? Do you have, get the flu? Do you have, if the blood of Jesus is <laughs> the corona, it's not a bubble wrap. <laughs> exactly. So what are you saying that all of a sudden now I'm going to believe for the big deal here? You know, so now we have several pastors now have died from the COVID. I know, and it's it's sad, you know, and, and that's the thing. I think it kind of goes back to what we talked about. Um, there's this thought process of do it my way. This is the way I believe. Now, I'm not promoting fear either. I haven't been in fear through this whole thing. Um, believe it or not, I'm a little bit... Um, I'm much more extroverted online and stuff than, than I, at home, I tend to be a little bit of a homebody. So for me personally, you know, do I have concerns? Sure. But, um, so I'm not promoting be it fear, but there is wisdom and just common sense of not meeting in big groups. And to say that, you know, uh, I heard one lady, the one church in Louisiana that keeps meeting. Um, she's like, well, God is on my side and, and I'm fine. And she said something about, you know, to the extent of um, like what I, it was like, oh, I have to be at church so I can meet with people. But you and I are the church here. We're talking about your, your, you know, your journey, but the Holy spirit is interjected through the whole thing. And we're having church, we're having a conversation, but we're meeting together. Would I rather you be on my couch and us drinking coffee and stuff like we used to do? Sure, but that'll come, you know? Well, if you think about it, it's the same mindset that the snake handlers have. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I don't even know if a lot of our listeners will know what that is. Maybe we'll have a, a, a different, maybe I'll find some snake handlers and have a, a, a podcast so we can hear their hear their perspective but it's the the same thing of putting your finger in a fire and saying it's not going to burn um it's it's actually tempting tempting god in a way if you think about it it's it's yeah but uh uh so i think that these things come around isn't it interesting and we know god is not the author of disease we know no doubt he doesn't send plagues he doesn't of course, mm-hmm. some of the uh, mainstream, well, God's sending oh. the plague because of the, the gay people. Yeah, it, oh it's gosh. stupid. I just I, roll my eyes. You know, I don't think anybody except the hardcore groups and those fraction groups believe any of that stuff. But they, you know, and they they truly believe it. And so, you know, if, um, if there's a plague in the lands, and uh, once again, if you deal with sickness in your life. If you're never, ever sick and you're walking into what we would call divine health, then go for it. But yeah. few people do that. Most of them go with this thing of, oh, I'm going to be somehow magically, it's going to work for me this time. That is insanity. It, that, you just took the word out of my mouth, insanity. <laughs> Some insanity. And people don't really understand what they believe, you know? Yeah. <sighs> It, it, and this is the American church where you see this. Yeah. You don't see this really in many other places. It's the Americanized version of the gospel, which has become really a travesty in a way. Yeah. Uh, it's become all about money. It's become all about uh, conformity. 
you know, uh, we've got to just attack these certain things and put them down so all the other excess in our life is okay. We don't have to think about that. Yeah. You know? So anyway, but the, the good news is if you're willing, and of course today it's much easier than it was decades ago when I was younger, you can find resources to help you. You can yep. find ministries that can help you walk through this stuff, you know, and get the guilt out of your life. We, we don't have time to feel guilty. And uh, you shouldn't. If you're a Christian, you just shouldn't feel guilty. You should, uh, you should want to serve God out of right motives in your heart, not because you think God's going to be mad at you and punish you. Right. It's natural. It's the same with your spouse, or like, mm-hmm. you're my friend. If we were, if we were together right now, and we were, you know, having our ribs, right? We, you know, we talked about getting our when we get back together, me and mm-hmm. Bob and. Susan and stuff, we've done some for our listeners, some worship nights where, you know, in the past, Bob would come over and we'd just talk and have coffee. I would get up and say, Bob, do you want a coffee? Or is there mm-hmm. something I can get you? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm it wasn't because I was trying to get your, it wasn't because I was trying to get something from you. It's right. because it's natural to serve your friends. And God is a friend. And that's a, oh, I could see a whole different series coming on with that about, you know, God is a friend. Uh, God is not somebody to be uh, feared in the way we do, but that is a different podcast. So I'm going to switch, switch gears because Bob and I could talk all night or all morning as it is. So I'm going to get into my three questions. Are you ready? Well, hold on, Debbie. Let okay. Me, can I mention this one thing? Oh, absolutely. Uh the pivotal moment in my life that came where I really was able to accept myself and my relationship with the Lord was about two years after my wife passed away. The first, the first person I dated, uh, it wasn't working out, but I was madly in love and I had never had that experience like that before. It was a whole different level. And, uh, I was driving around the 610 loop here in Houston and I was thinking about that feeling of being in love and what a wonderful feeling it was. And the Lord spoke to my heart at that moment. And he said, that's how I feel about you all the time. Oh, wow. And I said instantly, I said, I didn't know. I had no idea. I would read that he loved me. But he doesn't just love us. He's really in love with us. Mad. Really changed my life. And so, and at the same time, I knew that the person that I was in love with, I would do anything in the world for that person. No matter what it was. No matter what I had to sacrifice, I would do. Like your kids. Yeah, in almost even a greater degree of that, it was like, man, you would just do anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, man, that's how God feels about us. And that changed my life. So anybody that can ever have a moment like that, an intimate moment like that with the Spirit of the Lord, it will rock your world. And yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm so glad you put that in. I, yeah, we've, we've gone on several. It's because you and I haven't talked in so long. You know, when we get together, you know, then the Spirit of the Lord starts speaking to us. We can go on like five different rabbit trails, but they'd all be really good. <laughs> they'd all be really impactful. So thank you for, you know, um, stopping me uh, so that we could hear that. And that that is important. And there's a, a scripture. I don't know the bookmark at the moment. You might. But. It talks about how God twirls around us and everything, how he rejoices over us in the Mm -hmm. Old Testament. And I don't remember the bookmark at the moment, but when you look at the word, when you look at the Hebrew word, it basically shows you a picture of somebody who's wildly twirling and screaming with joy and everything. And I always have this picture of this is like, I'm absolutely stupid in love with you. You know, I'm like, I'm a madman, uh, crazy in love with you. And during my own season, especially the last couple of years, I mean, it's so interesting because even just what I was talking to the Lord about this morning, it was like, I keep that. I, I don't do it perfectly, but when I can remember that, then I immediately have peace because it's like, you're stupid in love with me, even if I'm not sure where my own, um, where my own head is, you know, um, mm-hmm. even if I feel distant, right. Uh, which I think is where I've been a little bit feeling distant. Um, you are stupid in love with me and I literally can't screw it up, you that's know, true. I mean, and that's, and I'm not trying to be, um, go do whatever I want because my, my natural, because I'm, uh, 
because my natural inclination is to want to serve anyways, just to want to be a good person. So thanks for stopping me on that. I I really hope this does get over soon so you can come over because we, we, it's been a while. Um, uh, So let me ask you some three questions. Some are serious, some are so not. So we'll start with the first. uh, We'll start with the serious one first. Okay. Uh, What is the one thing the mo- if you could only say one thing right now to anybody listening, regardless of gay, straight, black, yellow, or purple, whatever, what is the one thing for anybody when they listen to this podcast that you would want to say to them right now? I would want to say that uh, don't look at your feelings about uh, if you're struggling with, with being gay, don't. Don't let the feelings uh, overwhelm you about despair or all of that, because once you it's it's little bit by little bit, if you can begin to learn some things that will help you, if you can get around the right people that can support you little by little, things will become clear to you Uh, when you're in certain dark places in your mind and emotions. It's very, very hard to see past where you are. So don't give up hope. And if you're not happy, if you feel like you know, I, I'm gay. I know I am. I need to address this. Find some help. There's there's tons of help out there. Tons of people that will come to your aid to help you understand it. Uh, and you can be very, very happy being gay and be very satisfied. So I just want to encourage you, don't give up. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll have um, in the show notes for anybody listening, we have phone numbers and this and that or um, websites and resources, or you can reach out to me if you're a guy and you want to talk to a guy or what, you know, I'll, we'll find people for you to talk to because you're not alone. So that's great mm-hmm. advice. Okay. Number two, if you could retire anywhere and money is no object at all, where would it be? Well, I have to have two places because okay. I, have a, I have a little grandson now. So I'll always have a place here in Houston, right? but probably uh, California. Really? California, why? Southern California. It, I just love the state, beautiful state. Uh, the the mindset of the people out there uh, is much more in tune with where I'm in being in Texas. It's very different. I thought you would have gone out of country. No, no. I, uh, I thought about that, but uh, if I did, it would have to be an English-speaking country. Uh, and then if I did, it would probably be Cape Town, South Africa. However, it is just too far away to seriously got you there and be here. So, so I would I would probably go to California. Okay. If I could. Yeah, I would. I, I was born in L.A. Okay. Oh, nice. I was just yeah. out there this last summer with my sister. I just loved it. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, I, I can visit you in Southern California, but still, mm-hmm. Texarkana, you know, Arkansas would be just fine. So, <laughs> all right. Final question for you. This is my. I, well, the first one was my favorite serious one, and now this is my favorite stupid one. Okay. Imagine yourself, and you're 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 a seer, so you can see this. You you're stranded on an island, mm-hmm. and you're gifted with the ability to speak to animals. So you're Doctor Doolittle, okay? Okay. You're the only human there. Uh, they declare you their king, mm-hmm. and they build you a big chair throne so you can rule from. You know, you've got bananas and palm leaves and everything. And all the wildlife is present to hear your first edict. Um, what What is it? My first edict. <laughs> <laughs> Build me a boat so I can get off of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is funny. I hadn't even thought of that. I just was cracking myself up writing the question. Oh, I thought, what a question. I, I just watched the the other night, as a matter of fact. The new one? Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Okay. Exactly. It's entertaining. Oh, sure. I want to, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, what do you want to ask Authentic Deb? The floor is open. Me? Yeah, you get to ask me a question. This is my I little. Or other people listening. Uh, what do I want to ask you? Where do you see yourself five years from now and ten years from now? Five years from now, I definitely see myself retired from corporate America. And unless we change our mind, we'd be uh, up living in a little country house in Texarkana. Um, Five years from now, I would see us 
having done something with our little side businesses, I think the next five years is really going to be more of a refining of finding our groove, uh, so to speak. And 10 years from now, that makes me 67. Mm-hmm. 10 years from now, I could see us. I don't know. That's a hard one. Um, where do I see myself 10 years from now? It's harder the older you get because like the five years from now, like this podcast, I want to see it grow and really making uh, a difference. And I think the next five years is a still tinkering around and redefining, um, not redefining who I am, but continuing to accept who I am and being kind to myself, getting some financial things in place. And within 10 years, I see myself, really um, living life on my terms, mm-hmm. but in a, I don't mean that in a bad way. Like really, uh, I, I, would, I would hope that 10 years from now that I am, while always learning, that I am super comfortable in my own skin mm-hmm. and that um, I'm really doing um, – naturally what I love, which is pouring into people. I don't have anything of, oh, I'm going to pastor or do this or do that. Um, I feel like God has me on a different path from that other than to just be a good person where I'm at. And so um, I see 10 years from now, just all that wisdom and life experience really just being a a natural overflow Mm -hmm. of how I live my life. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course it does. Yeah. Where do you see yourself in five years? I'm going to add a bonus question. Jeannie, you only get three questions. <laughs> no, I, I will. I will answer that. I'm the um, host. I can ask an extra question. And here's the reason why I even brought it up is that yeah. you know, without a vision, we perish. Yeah. And uh, I've begun to define mine much clearer. Uh, within ten years, I want to have an operation set up where. I can host people that are that are in ministry. I've always been drawn to people that are in ministry. I want to be able to pour into them and to help encourage them and get them back out on the field. So that was a dream my wife and I had, and that stayed with me this whole time. Uh, so I want to have a place, maybe in California for that. I don't know. Uh, and uh, uh, financial goals and things like that. I've learned that if I set a goal, if I write it down and am conscious about it, I can bring it into my life. If it's vague, I never seem to get there. Yeah. That afterthought thing is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. So I'm going to encourage everybody to write your goals, make them plain so you know where Yeah. Going. Well, we have other stuff, too. I just didn't give you the whole ball of wax. Yeah, we want to put. Yeah, no, I know you do. I know you're a goal. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, but, yeah, I was just taking it more on a personal thing. I think that um, even with building our businesses and all that, you, you find that, oh, well, maybe, you know, the making jewelry for thing was but that's not really my passion so you keep going back to and you know is it building websites and things yeah building websites yeah yeah Yeah. i can build websites i like building websites and or doing this or you want to be a speaker or this or that but i'm finding that the podcasting just having those conversations Mm -hmm. is really really um it's a blessing to me you know um and i know it will be a blessing uh, to others, but we want to build a little um, thing. You know, we just have an acre, but there's a couple, there's a thousand acres behind us, but we're hoping to, if they open it up to buy a couple more acres, we want to put just some since 15 or 20 so we can do like day workshops and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so that's all. And actually, our heart, what you just said, uh, we've said all along, uh, there was this thing we called the Eagle's Nest where we wanted to have a place for ministers that's kind of shifted but place for ministers to come in and out, especially those who are traveling or this or that, just to have a respite. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've always had that idea, but yeah. Bob, we have to catch up soon. I thank you so much uh, for My being pleasure. a guest on the show. Tell us a little bit. Is there anything else as far as uh, Bob's a realtor? So if you're in the Houston area or even beyond, tell us a little bit about that. And um, Sure. I, I've been a realtor for almost 20 years now, and I work for a company here in Houston, and our uh, franchise name is, is Christie's International Real Estate. I'm part of the Christie's 
auction house and international real estate brand there. So I do work all over the world, really, but I do tons of work here in Houston and love helping first-time buyers, love helping people sell their homes. I just really, I feel like it's a, it's a ministry for me. Uh, and, uh, I enjoy doing that very, very much. So if awesome. Please, so uh, yeah. you, when we, when we do the show notes, be looking for a link in there for Bob, especially if you're, you can help uh, international people, um, as yes. well. So the, there's no boundary. I know Bob, I would recommend him 10,000%. So Bob, I thank you for being a guest on the show and we will catch up soon. Okay. Thank you. I jump to a conclusion of what I think it means. Um, yeah, because I have no idea what that means. Right. Is. But I'll just to give you some background. I know it's an on-time word, but I'll, I'll have to seek the Lord on it. So at the start of the year, here's the 911 or the 411 as they say. If I wait till May of 2023, I will be 60 in February and I will vest with Harris County because you have to vest it eight years and you can retire at 60. It has to be eight years plus 60. Well, my eight year hire date at Harris County coincides with the year I turned 60. So I could vest and get a little small pension that the pension is for life. They match it 225%. So if I never made another raise between now and May, then my pension would be a little like 700 and something a month, but it's for life. So Susan, you know, would really like me to stay. I in no way want to stay that long and I've struggled back and forth, back and forth. Um, So this year I told Susan, look, I really want to, I really want to quit in August. This is before COVID hit. I really want to quit in August. And I just believe that if I really just was able to have time, I could make the website business work, you know, build some websites and just do the podcasting and and find different ways to make money. And we would be okay. We talked about um, even doing this little thing where they buy your home, you know, where you don't have to go through the whole thing. We talked to a Zillow guy um, it, it looks like it'd be just as expensive as if I hired you or whatever, except that we wouldn't have to deal with keeping the house clean and the dogs away. And, you know, we could just sell the home. So we talked about it. We says, well, we're not ready until August or September. That was all before COVID. So Susan said, okay, well, I would like you to at least have $6,000 saved up of, of money that you actually made so that we could see that you're actually making money buying websites and this and that. And I says, okay, that is fair. And I felt this huge amount of joy, like, oh my God, it's not, it's, it's about corporate America. I'm not built for it, you know, and I really never have been. So I felt all this joy. And every time something at work would bother me, I'm like, oh, August is coming because August has always been a pivotal month. And then I said, you know what, Susan, you're right. It doesn't have to be August. It's just when we feel like um, I'm just going to let it go and be like, okay, when, when the money starts coming uh, more naturally, you're not like, oh my God, I need a job or I need a sale, right? Or I need a website thing. Just like let it go if it happens in August. So we were good with that. And then COVID hit. And so now we're like, you know, now is not the time to be, we've kind of pushed back and said, you know what, I'm not even making any money or, or selling websites or or doing anything right now. I believe it will happen. But right now we need our insurance because the insurance, you know, our insurance is on Harris County, which is free for me and just very small, like 250 a month for Susan. So, and we have great insurance. So we've been in this thing of, okay, we're in a holding pattern and I'm at peace with it. But in the back of my head, I've been like, I don't know if that's what you were talking about, but in the back of my head, I've already had the thought of now that I've let it go and just said, whenever I've had this feeling the last several weeks that something is coming quicker yeah. than, than I, than I thought. And, but I don't know if that's what it is, but that's why it resonates with me. Cause I've gone the whole swing of going to quit to Susan being uncomfortable with it to, okay, what's a happy medium between us two, letting go of the date, 6,000 is a fair amount, you know, money that you've actually made. Because the reality is if I had one to two website jobs uh, a month, 
I would be making the same that I'm making now with the exception of, you know, the insurance and stuff. But then COVID hit. And so everything yeah. is just so. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Well, let me, uh, let me say this about, about all of that. Uh, then I had a really good thought there for you. Where did it go? Come back here. Um, <clears throat> one, sometimes the new door doesn't open up until the other one closes. So we always, you know, the faith thing is always step off a cliff. Yes. It's never, oh, let's inch, you know, let's inch over here and do that stuff. It's just the step off a cliff approach usually. Um, and, uh, man, I, that's got to come back to me at some point. Whatever. Lord, give it back to me. I just talked too long. So but No, no, it wasn't bad. I just let give my it back mind to and I, and I um, got off track. But when it comes to, uh, oh, I know what it was. God, it was so simple. If you want to sell your house, I can handle, I won't charge you anything. I can handle the paperwork for you. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to be prepared to pay 3% to a realtor that brings a buyer. You have to do that. I don't care what anybody tells you uh, unless they walk up and go, I've got a buyer that's ready to buy your house right now. It's going to come through another agent. That's just what mm -hmm. happens. Now, if somebody shows up through any kind of advertising and says, Hey, I'd really like to buy your home and they don't have an agent, then that's a different story. I can, I can do the contract for you. I can't put my name on it, but I can mm -hmm. make sure things are done correctly. For okay. And then uh, help whoever the buyer is and save you that 6%, you know, okay. there to pay three. And um, plus you'll have closing costs, you know, yeah. like that. It won't be tremendous, but anyway, I just want to let you know, I'm, I'm happy. Okay. Uh, don't go through anybody on Zillow or anything like that. Um, what, uh, uh, and all you've got to do, all we've got to do is just get you up on MLS uh, and, and uh, just advertise a little bit, uh, which I had to find out how you can do that. Uh, Chuck could do it for you, uh, but uh, I'll give that some thought. So if, if you guys become serious about selling, let me know. And okay. I'll, I feel like I'm supposed to offer that to you. So. Okay. No, I really appreciate that because like I said, when we looked at the Zillow thing, it was like, well, um, it's the stress of feeling like having the house pristine to, to be looked at. It, it was really kind of the dogs. It's like, we've got these little yapping chihuahuas and you know, when we, well, when, when we go back to work, how do you, how do you work that out? You know, yeah. You can schedule your showings at your convenience because you're in control of all that. Yeah. So most people want to look in the evenings or weekends. Oh, okay. I was thinking like during the day when I'm at work and I'm like, oh. No, and you can just put, um, you know, no showings. The showing time is after from 6 to 8 during the week and Saturdays, you know. Oh, okay. You can, you can determine that. You're in control, all right? And uh, the other thing is you have to price the home well. You, you can't price it uh, above market. Right. Price to sell. And you do have to, you know, have it show ready all the time. Because yeah. you don't want to be stressed. Like, oh, I'm going to run home and clean. Just do a super good straightening out. And, yeah. The, you know. Uh, yeah. And then you're fine. And we're not we're not ready for that yet, but thank you for that offer because that's that's really something to consider. So, but I've thought about these seasons. What is? I'll tell you, it is comforting. Really buying this little Texarkana house was the smartest thing we ever did, and we bought it with the idea of retirement. You know, lowering our footprint. Give me one, give me one second. This is my daughter. Hey, sweetheart, I'm finishing up here, and I'll head over there in a few minutes. Okay. All right. Bye, honey. Yeah, but uh, so we 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 bought it with that intent. You know, it's a little five hundred dollar a month mortgage, little mm -hmm. a, yeah. a beautiful acre. I don't know if you've seen any of our pictures when we I post have, yeah. on mm -hmm. Facebook, and it's so Bob. You get there, and you're just like everything in your body just goes. Yeah, out of the city. Oh, and we, we and coming back, I was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I totally understand that. I totally so. understand. 
Well, let's let's connect tomorrow. I know you got to get your daughter, but thank you for that. Uh, Debbie, thank you. It's oh. good to see you. And uh, I'm moving in a few weeks. Where? Uh, right into the heart of Montrose. <laughs> so I've rented, um, if you're familiar, are you familiar with Montrose at all? A little. This is the gay part. Yeah, well, yeah, it is for sure. There's uh, Westheimer, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Westheimer yeah. Montrose Boulevard. Well, one block um, north of Westheimer is a street called Avondale. Yeah. And I'm moving right off of Avondale and Whitney. Which is a little right. house or a condo? It's a it's a townhome uh, that's being renovated, and uh, it has an enormous balcony that's the size of my entire one bedroom apartment. Oh, okay. So I'll be able to entertain and have oh good because I, mean, I never I, made it to that place. I know this one I thought would be good for entertaining, but it's just not. It just has not worked out. And okay. So I'm moving May 10th into the new place, and so when it gets set up. Yes. I want you guys to come down. And yes. Out I know. I, we, I really want to do a better job of keeping in touch. I've just been on my own little weird journey the last couple of years. Well, I have too. I've, I'm not going back to South Africa. My season is over there. The Two years ago when I went, that was my last time to go. And uh, it was just an unspoken thing. I just knew it. Yeah. And so I've been focusing on my real estate. I felt like that's Good. what I need to do. So yeah. for now. So anyway. Well, amen. Well, thank you so much for that word. That's a really powerful word. Well, my pleasure, Debbie. Anytime. Love you. Love you too. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. Let me hit stop record. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Authentic Deb Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and connect with me at AuthenticDeb.com. There you can book a session with me and request to be a guest on the show. So until next time, this is Authentic Deb signing out. And remember, be you because being you is enough.